I think we should rename crows. To be, I think it's mob. You gotta say mob. I how about, or a mafia. <laughs> a mafia. Of I think crows. that one's more pre- that one's more appropriate because that indicates how like family centric yeah. their society is. <laughs> I like that one. I'm what? sorry, my my sibling group text. Oh dear. Is going so my mom's birthday is coming up, uh-huh. and this episode will go live before her birthday. But I have a feeling she's not going to listen to it before her birthday, uh-huh. so I'm not super stressed about her hearing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my brother, you know, my my siblings are saying like, oh, what 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 time should we come? I'm the one that lives mm-hmm. closest to my mom and my younger brothers who live with my mom still, but my sisters don't live as close anymore because right. they have their own lives and whatnot. Um, and um, my older sister said that she couldn't come on my mom's actual birthday because she has a dance class and has a competition at the end of the month. So it could be due Monday or Wednesday. And I was like, you can't skip one recreational dance class at the beginning of the month for your mom's birthday. And my sister just kind of, you can, um, on iMessage now, you can react the same way you would on like a Facebook message. So she just did like the exclamation point emoji. (laughs) And then, um, my brother said, if y'all want a good present idea since she's turning 47, 47 moments she's made you guys feel loved and wanted, or vice versa, scrapbook. And I said, Josh, that's so thoughtful, except I'm not sure she wants a reminder that she's turning 47. And he said, exactly. It's a perfect present because it's beautiful and she can't reject it. <laughs> and then my sister... Josh my, contains <laughs> multitudes. And then my younger sister said, we just won't tell her and each of us will come up with nine and Karina and Cassandra can do extra because y'all old. <laughs> God. Can I just say how much I love your siblings? They're hilarious. Uh, but, so that's, I got distracted. But um, some, some in, in more exciting news, I know our numbers from our last episode were not, I think, where we were hoping they would be because we felt it was a really strong episode. Oh my gosh, if you guys haven't listened maybe to it yet. Maybe just people, maybe why? It, like, so people good. just weren't as into snail. Like a lot of the other animals mm, we've done are really though. high profile animals yeah. that have like a sort of internet cult following and I don't think snails have gotten there yet which they clearly deserve y'all I predict they will eventually get like the internet will they're gonna be the next alpaca exactly the internet's gonna get there but um but for now maybe that's just it's not so popular because people are like eh snails they just don't understand you know it's true we liked snails before they were cool (laughs) we're so hipster (laughs) just Um, like snails oh my goodness (laughs) but in better news our our vlog from the San Jose Reptile Show is doing really well mm-hmm. um it has a lot of love on facebook I, and i did not put this one on youtube but that's okay it has yeah. a lot of love on facebook some of the breeders and vendors who we saw at the show um loved seeing it and being tagged in it so they gave us some comments and some likes which is really cool to see those engagements yeah and some of the some of the vendors even recognized us which was really cool yeah that was so the cool people who recognized us the most were like the local stores that we <laughs> go to frequently Possibly and that like i mean no people we can count on on one hand the <laughs> amount of times we've been to one of the stores. Actually, both of the stores. I don't think we've been there more than five times. Maybe five times now. Yeah. Exactly. I think you're probably right. After the show was the fifth time. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, it's like the, it's just a great kind of community where it's a small yeah. community and in this area, everybody's going to the same shows and everyone's going to the same stores. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you guys saw in the vlog, we did exactly what we told you guys never to do. <laughs> Cassie, do you want to tell them what we did that we told them never to do? Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. Not at all. N- no. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we didn't come home with an animal that we were unprepared for? Um, I mean... There's like a nice chunk of silence there in the recording. It's like, <laughs> that's where I look to make cuts, but that one is just going to have to be like left. So we acquired a new gecko, and we have now officially hit the one-year mark of this whole journey, honestly. Our podcast was thought about much later on in the year. Not that much later. But we started kind of tossing around a little bit Well, of an for idea. me, I didn't think seriously about uh, a podcast for many, many months after that year mark. But yeah. because Basil has basically become the face of CritterCast, right. 
Um, and because we kind of started it with reptiles in mind, of course, because we love all animals, right. it's all critters. But because we kind of started it with reptiles in mind and because of basil, um, I kind of mark that one year anniversary as like the beginning of the idea of Critter Cast. Yeah. And um, I went from uh, just over a year ago, I had no reptiles. I had no interest in having any reptile pets. Well, I kind of always wanted a leopard gecko, but like, yeah, you did. other than that, I didn't really know anything. And all of a sudden, now there are five reptiles living in my room, <laughs> um, which is great. And we, I love them and I adore them. But I think instead of the other approach where I was going to say I have to spread out my reptile purchases, I think now I'm just going to say, okay, we did a year of like, this is what we want. This is the start of our collection. And now we stop. Sure. Yes. Now we stop for quite a while. Yeah. Because I, yeah. these animals can all live up to, t- like, 20, 30 yes. years. So, yes. the like, only thing these are the, my animals I'm going to have for the, quite a while. I love Kenyan sand boas. I am not controlling that. Maybe you wait until we, like, don't live here. Or maybe I wait a year. <laughs> or until we don't live here. <laughs> I'm not quite sure where I would put another tank at this point. True facts. Because I did have to, like, do a lot of rearranging to fit that fifth tank on. Yeah. So we got a new leopard gecko. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yes. <laughs> and as um, Jake, Karina's youngest brother, likes to call her, she is a sassy pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got some personality. She's got some tood. She is a um, white and yellow trimper um, mixed with a hat eclipse. I didn't pay attention because I don't really care about genetics. All it means is that she's really pretty. <laughs> and it just means she's got specific genes in her history that may or may not be expressed in her physical yeah. coloring. Yeah. That if you were to breed her, those were, would be the potential genes that would mix in with something else. Mm-hmm. Which we're not going to do. No. We, we do not need to breed. No. Any it's of just them. not something I'm <laughs> interested in doing. No. Um, but that's, you know, that's going on. So you guys saw us go to the Sacramento Reptile Show, which is the biggest show in Northern California. Um, it's one of the only shows in Northern California, except for the Bay Area shows. And those mm-hmm. are a little bit smaller because they haven't been going on for quite as long. Right. Um, even this show is less than 15 years old. It's a, it's a small or less than, less than 20 years old for sure. It's a small show. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. They haven't been... Because the reptile expos in general are are still fairly new to the world, doing these big expos yeah. of, like, come out, everybody, and come see. And, like, these are the above-the-board legal expos. <laughs> these are not the ones where they're, you know, trading illicit animals that are not actually... Pause! What's the matter? Do you want to come lay down with me? That are in love. These are all licensed, wonderful... Um, traders and breeders who are just producing amazing animals we had an amazing time we learned a lot there's a lot of outreach that happens at the expos too there is a lot of um local rescues animal rescues reptile rescues conservations uh there's the the bat conservancy was there we got to see a show by a local exotics rescue and that was really really cool yeah, the well, the interesting thing is that all of that is pretty specific to the Sacramento show. Most other reptile shows, they'll have, like, some reptile rescues. Yeah. And they'll always have, like, a kid's corner, yeah, yeah. you know, to entertain. But the emphasis on conservation and them inviting the Sacramento SPCA and the bat mm-hmm. rescue and all those other things that really are not related to reptiles at all to yeah. a reptile show um, is pretty exclusive to the Sacramento show and to other bigger shows like it. There's yeah. a lot of massive shows in the Midwest and the South that are, like, exotic expos. Yeah. So they're having all kinds of pets and not just reptiles, but being that most of our shows up here in California are specifically reptile shows it's pretty cool that they um want to do outreach for other types of critters as well yeah yeah um but yeah that's going on in the critter cast world we've Mm -hmm. been trying to get back at social media a little bit so you guys should have seen some of our posts going out this week like doing more than just one post a week can't promise that'll continue but we are trying we're getting there um, but without further ado, it's probably time to just dive right into episode 14. Yeah. 
It's bummer that it didn't work out to be episode 13 being our first <laughs> um, episode of October. Yeah. But indeed, it is our 14th episode, and that's okay, too. 14's a, nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it's not a particularly exciting number, but that's fine. It's just not. all the 14 diehard fans. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it is the first episode that we are publishing in October. And as most of you by this point have probably figured out, October is one of Cassie's favorite months, if not Cassie's favorite month. Yes. Because it contains the entire season and holiday of Halloween. Well, most of it. I mean, it actually starts in August. It doesn't start in August. Sure. It does, though. No, it doesn't. But yes, this is the time that I really get to enjoy all of those spooky lead up to Halloween days. So we are doing. <coughs> Ruru, come here, baby. Hi, handsome boy. Do you want to pick up? Come here. Come here, Cassie, pick you up. Come here. Ruru. No, you can't go to bed right now. The bed's a mess, and pretty sure somebody did something on it, so. There we go. You can't go to bed. There we go. I have him. He's mine now. He's mad. Oh, he's okay. So, we're doing a lead up to Halloween. And so all the... All, all of our the, October episodes... Yes. ...will be spooktacular creatures and mm-hmm. critters. If this is the, the only month I feel we can just say, cre- like, it's creature cast for this, <laughs> this particular month. I love it. It is, of course, critter cast as usual... But these will be kind of your your typical spooky creatures. Yes. And we're delving right in with probably one of the most iconic Halloween critters yeah. right off the bat. And hopefully one of the most popular. Um, we're just going to go ahead and, and dive right in with the raven and also the crow because they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the raven with a black beak and all that good stuff is your more typical Halloween critter. Um so we're excited to talk about these birds, and to be totally honest, I I'm kind of out of my um, out of my comfort zone again with this one. So it'll be a lot of Cassie Cassie Town. Um, that's fabulous because I have five and a half pages of notes. I cannot believe you. <laughs> Look, I'm so excited. You have to talk fast. Okay, I'll talk really fast. I promise. Everyone will be able to understand me just fine. Oh. <clears throat> anyway. I'm so excited. I love crows. I love ravens. I think they're amazing. I think they're brilliant. When I was 13, I tried to memorize all of the poem, The Raven. Um, I'm pretty sure I got it all down. It was, it was great. I think I still just have the first verse. Mm-hmm. Probably not all of it, but yeah. So yeah. good stuff. Elocution was only my strong point for a year. Oh, I just did it for fun at home. In my spare time. What a waste. It was my favorite poem, okay? Jeez. I'm very excited to talk about these. They're so cool. So, I'm going to try and contain some of my excitement and just give you some background information before we get into the stuff that I think makes crows and ravens just completely stand out brilliant animals. So... Just start off with. Uh, crows, ravens, and rooks are all part of the Corvidae family, which includes jays, magpipes, and nutcrackers. They're the um, genus Corvus. So Corvidae, Corvus. Crows are the blackbirds that are known for their intelligence and adaptability and for their lo- loud, harsh cacaw, cacaw. Yes. Indeed. They have um, a reputation that's been around for a long time uh, for damaging crops, being bad luck, getting into um, trash and making a mess. But you know what? These are mostly false accusations and just a bad reputation that is largely undeserved. And in fact, they do a lot of really helpful things for, um, for human society. So they, they can occasionally be harmful to crops, but they also prevent a bunch of damage by eating insect pests. So recent studies have shown that 60 to 90% of insects that are eaten by rooks, crows, and ravens are agricultural pests. So thank you, crows. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Crows are thought to be one of 
the most intelligent birds. And I think we can really see that in their success in adapting to the changing environment of the world, especially here in North America. So previously there had been attempts at exterminating them in the past when they were (coughs) largely suspected of damaging crops, scarecrows, right? Right. Um, Some of the attempts to exterminate them even included dynamiting the places that they would roost. But they're even more abundant now. They've really adapted to urban and suburban sprawl, and they live throughout most of the continental U.S. So the only places where you're not going to see them very commonly is along the southern borders of Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and here in California, and even up into part of the, the warmer part, of course, of Central Valley. The heat. Yeah. They're not, they're not desert animals. N- no. Not built to thrive. Not the, the hottest desert animals. Let's see. There are about 40 species of crows, according to PBS. So there are many different sizes, of course. The American crow, which is the standard crow that you see around most places, measures around 17.5 inches. The fish crow measures around 19 inches. The common raven, however, is much larger. They measure around 27 inches. Yeah. I think that's why they're more thought of as, like, the spookier birds, because they're just these big just big birds. Yeah, they're giant. And I think the fact that they are so smart has led to, you know, observances of behavior that generally we would call odd for birds. Yeah. So I think it's easy for them to be maligned for being you know, smarter and, and not fitting into the box that we have. Crows can weigh anything from 12 to 57 ounces, and rooks are smaller than crows and have distinct wedge-shaped tails and light-colored bills. They average around 18 inches. So a lot of questions um, that probably most people have are about how to tell the difference between crows and ravens. Right. So you've already talked about that a little bit, but the main way, of course, is that... Size-wise. Yeah. They're massive. Yeah. And they have bigger, longer beaks, ravens. Yeah, they have heavier bills, longer bills. Their voices are hoarser. They Mm -hmm. croak a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And their tails and wings come to a point. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever been close enough... To look at the tail wings of a of a large bird like that, I I just don't think would, I've ever been. Close you would turn enough. and walk the other direction. I think I would just like <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they'd leave before I even got anywhere near because that's often how birds are. Yeah. But I just like while we're talking about the difference here, mm-hmm. want to take a moment yeah. to to address the elephant in the room, Ba-dum-cha. so to speak. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Dumbo for two seconds. Um, let's, I mean, you know. Do we have to? We just have to put, okay, we're doing an episode on ravens and crows, so yeah. we just have to take a moment and, and say. And talking about how poorly they're represented Exactly. Yes. That the crows mm-hmm. um, in Dumbo are so inaccurately portrayed, Terrible. it's ridiculous. So Terrible. my whole childhood, I grew up thinking that crows had yellow beaks and ravens had black beaks. Oh. Because I was like, well, those are crows. Right. And the only reason that they're called crows is, yeah. of course, because of all the racism behind those characters yep. and the Jim Crow laws and all the stuff that is not Critter Cast talk, so we won't go deep into it. But yeah. just don't think of crows as these yellow-beaked giant birds. Like, right. they're really big yeah. in that movie. Yeah. Um, I'm not I mean, super, they're supposed like, to be bad and terrifying in that movie, and it's it's neither true. But also, like, a joke. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they're intimidating because he's a baby elephant and he's all alone without his mom and, like, they poke fun at him, but they're Mm -hmm. not seriously scary because (sighs) they're just ridiculous. Racism is multifaceted. Oh, yeah. All right. So, um, crows are very sociable animals. When they're not nesting, they often gather in communal roosts on winter nights, sometimes with thousands and even tens of thousands roosting in one grove. They're opportunistic, they're very smart, they're able to quickly take advantage of new food sources. Mostly they feed on the ground, sometimes they feed in trees. They scavenge along roads, at dumps, they'll carry hard-shell mollusks high up in the air and drop them on rocks to break them open. Um, Like owls, indigestible parts of their food will be coughed up later as pellets. I mean, yeah. That's a common in any birds that are eating larger prey than insects. Yeah. Because there's going to, like, they just can't digest bones. It's not going to happen. No. So what do you think crows eat? 
I would imagine because they're scavengers that they eat a, a whole host of different things. Absolutely. That they probably do anything as small as bugs and insects mm-hmm. that they that are like, you know, easy to reach yep. just beneath the surface of the ground. Yep, yep. I wouldn't put it past them to be scavengers in the very, mm-hmm. you know, the very yeah. exact definition of the word either and pecking at dead carcasses. You are 100% right. You know. It's free food. Yes. Free for the taking. Yeah. As long as it hasn't been sitting out too long. <laughs> right. You're going to be fine. I mean, they're not going to... They're they're not like vultures, so they don't have that highly developed... Right. ...immune system where they can handle the really... The really old the gross... The really old yeah. 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 We'll have but to like, do a different episode about turkey vultures. Well, and talk yeah, about some of, of their management systems for that, because... Whoa, cool. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're scavengers. They're, um, since they're opportunistic, they are, are omnivorous. So they'll feed on practically anything that they can find, including insects, spiders, snails, earthworms, frogs, small snakes, shellfish, carrion, garbage, eggs, young of other birds, seeds, grains, berries, fruit. I like how you just threw in uh-huh. garbage and young other birds. Yeah. Yeah, you just threw them in there. <laughs> I was trying to scooch right past <laughs> Like, the garbage was, I mean, that's pretty predictable of any animal that's grown to adapt and live yeah. in an urban setting. You know, like, pigeons didn't originally evolve to eat garbage, but that's basically their whole diet now. Yep. Yep. Um, and crows and ravens frequently live in urban areas, mm-hmm. so they, you know. Just, yeah, they need to. They're not picky. Nope. I wonder if they would eat the pizza rat. You know, just like the pizza rat. <laughs> I in a battle between pizza rat and crows. The my crows would money win. would be on the crows cuz they would mob pizza rat. Yeah. Yeah. Pizza rat. <laughs> they can be found all over the world in a variety of habitats. So American crows live all over the North America and they mostly prefer open areas, but like you've said, they um, they thrive in suburban neighborhoods. They do like to be around trees or tall roosting places in right. particular, if possible. The common raven is one of the most widespread birds worldwide. So they can be found in northern Europe, Scandinavia, Iceland, Greenland, throughout Asia, from the Pacific Ocean to the Himalayas, to India and Iran, across northwestern Africa and the Canary Islands, in North and Central America, as far south as Nicaragua. They also prefer open landscapes, sea coasts, treeless tundras, rock cliffs, mountain forests, open river banks, plains, deserts, and scrubby woodlands. Rooks, on the other hand, are found mostly across Europe and Western Asia. They also prefer wide open spaces. Don't mind me. Okay. It's for, it's for social media. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, crows are, so we're starting to get into the really cool stuff about crows. Crows are cooperative breeders. As, you'll mm-hmm. have to just explain that. Like, I'll just you explain pause it. for my reaction, but I don't have one because I don't understand the term. Perfect. That's fine. I'm happy to explain this because it just shows how amazing they are. So they'll often stay close to the place where they were born and they'll help to raise and defend that area's young chicks. So parents um, will raise their, their young. Right. But they don't have to rely just on themselves. This is right. not a situation wherein everybody ditches the poor single mom, and she's like, well, fuck. I guess I'm just the only one here to take care of this tiny, screaming child. Um, no. So the mating pair will build a nest about 15 to 60 feet above the ground. Nests will be about 1.5 to 2 feet uh, long in diameter. The female will lay about four to five eggs, and she'll incubate them for about 18 days. And then once they're born, the chicks will be taken care of by both parents and then also assistants and helpers. Right. Who sometimes are siblings, who are now (laughs) juveniles. Pops, come here. Who are now juveniles um, and occasionally are completely unrelated, just part Part of the community. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, So... The juvenile birds are frequently seen defending their parents' nests from predators. They'll bring food to mom and dad while they're incubating the the eggs, or they'll feed their younger siblings directly. So one study actually found that 80% of American crow nests that they surveyed had a helping hand from one of these assistants. And some birds became regular nest assistants, providing aid to their parents for over half of a decade. Isn't that cool? I think that's amazing. So we've already talked about how smart they are, but let's get 
more specific about their intelligence. So scientist Kevin J. McGowan, who works at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, says that, and this is a direct quote, crows are smarter than many undergraduates, but probably not as smart as ravens. Don't don't at me about that because that's not me saying it. That's McGowan. So if you have issues, but you chose it to record an episode. I merely report the facts. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> so the New Caledonian crow, for example, has a brain that weighs just like 0.26 ounces. However, relative to its body size, their brains are huge. So they account for up to 2.7% of the bird's overall weight. By comparison, an adult human's three pound brain represents just 1.9% of our body weight. So relatively, crows have bigger brains than humans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's true of a lot of critters too. We're we like to think of ourselves as these hyper-intelligent, super-evolved beings, and there are a lot of critters out there that mm-hmm. are way smarter than us. Mm-hmm. We just got lucky to have a combination of intelli- high enough intelligence and size yeah. <laughs> that made <laughs> us, you know... And tool-using capabilities. Yeah. They Limbs. can use tools, too, okay? Very true. And we just, will talk about they that. They just don't have well. hands. That's, it's the hands. That's our huge benefit. <laughs> <laughs> so of all the living birds, crows, ravens, and parrots have the biggest brain-to-body size ratios. And in lab experiments, um, crows and ravens have shown a degree of cognition that puts them on par with the great apes. So in fact, research has shown that they actually have a higher density of neurons in their forebrains than primates do. The amount of neurons in that region is thought to correlate with a given animal's intelligence. So theoretically, having more intelligence translates to having better cognitive reasoning. So it's suggesting that their brain function is pretty high-performing. And we do have evidence of that in things like crafting tools. So New Caledonian crows, they make tools. They're in fact one of only two species on the planet that can craft its own hooks in the wild. The other, of course, being... Like humans? Yes. Oh. <laughs> so the South Pacific avian uses hooks, which are made with... The, they make them out of pliable twigs that they bend but using their beaks and their feet into a J-shape to extract insects from a tight crevice. Another thing that makes the New Caledonian crows really unique is that they have a weirdly shaped beak and maw. So unlike virtually all other birds, the New Caledonian crow has a bill that does not curve downwards. So for years, they weren't sure why, but scientists now think that it's because that actually helps them to grasp the tools more easily. So it's evolved as a a helpful trait. Um, In 2016, scientists at the University of St. Andrews demonstrated that the very, very rare Hawaiian crow can also use um, and modify tools. So that's pretty cool. So another cool thing about crows. Crows can recognize, remember, and teach each other about specific faces. So when a crow encounters a mean human, it will teach other crows how to identify that human. So research shows that crows don't forget a face. They'll know when you're causing problems for them, and they will scold you, um, cackle at you, swoop, and dive bomb you in mobs of 30 or more, even... A year later. What if you have an evil twin that does mean <laughs> things to crows and then they attack you even though you have done nothing to them? Then you should start being nice to the crows and leaving them gifts so that they will associate with you more positively. <laughs> they won't forgive, though, because you have the same face. I mean, they. I don't think that scientists have tested whether or not they can be counter-conditioned. What a waste. Because there's lots of twins in the world out there doing nothing with their lives. Let's email some of these scientists and suggest a new study. So scientists um, were testing to see you know, which crows would react to them. So they trapped and banded co- crows for five years. And after going a year without seeing the threatening human, they would scold them on sight. But they found out that most of the birds who were scolding them were not the ones that they had originally captured. Um, And instead that by seeing other birds scolding them, they learned as a community to have a communal reaction to those people. 
Conversely, they will recognize and remember people who are kind to them. And they'll even go so far as bringing them gifts. Like there was a little girl who was regularly kind to crows and would give them treats and snacks. And so they would bring her just random little things that they would find on their daily explorations. Which is crows, man. I love them. I want to be a friend of crows. So start being nice to them. I just don't have many crow friends here to be nice to. I'll have to become a scientist specifically so that I can work with crows specifically so that I can befriend them and then together we can take over the world. I mean... Sure. They can give me plastic things. (laughs) So a group of crows is commonly called a murder, which again comes probably from the negative association that crows have. It could also come, however, I think from the mobbing activity mm-hmm. where so if someone's threatening a member of a crow family right or a crow community and a crow is um, giving a distress signal right. the other crows will come and mob that predator right and by mobbing they're they're swooping in your face they're diving they're cackling they're scolding which really a mob is a more appropriate term for a group of crows yeah absolutely because that's the actual yeah. yeah they don't kill you but unlike uh, owls <laughs> <laughs> no the I don't know. I don't really understand people who name groups of animals. It just doesn't... It, some of them are like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of them only make sense because you've known your whole life. Right. So, like, a pride of lions. That yeah. only makes sense because your whole life you've known them as a pride of lions. Yeah. But when you think about it, mm-hmm. why? Right. Like, right. and some... So just, it's a group because of animals. Because they're magnificent <laughs> and proud beasts. But then somebody just goes, yeah, let's call a group of something murder, which is indeed a verb. Yeah. So and mean. a noun. Or like a gaggle of geese. Excuse you. I like that one. <laughs> how, like, about, how about don't. a giggle of teenage girls? Oh, no. I like to say that a group of kittens is a snuggle of cats. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. That's it's like nice. a pile. So another reason that that the, the murder part is perhaps slightly appropriate but I think mafia works better is that if a crow has been killed by a predator the other crows in that community will surround the deceased crow which for us we would think would be like a funeral right I mean maybe that wouldn't be my first thought wouldn't be your first thought but it was literally every newspaper article writer at least headline writers thought who wrote about that. They were like, oh my god, look at these poor animals mourning. They hold funerals. It's so sad. And I mean, like, yeah, they're recognizing, they do recognize the dead community member. Right. And they are upset about it. Right. Um, but it's not just a mourning activity. It's also a way that they can gather and figure out what killed that member of their community. Yeah. And teach each other... Um, how to be aware of that thing and watch out for it in the future, which is fucking brilliant. Yep. Yeah. So um, so by sticking close to a crow that was killed, other crows may improve their chances of learning about the predators that they need to avoid. So while... I mean, I think from my research, the crows and elephants were the only ones that came across as having recognition of... Um, like routine recognition of the, the death of a community member and having some sort of um, regularly repeating action because African elephants will groom, touch, otherwise attend to a dead ele- elephant. I think scientists have noted some similar behaviors in bottlenose dolphins, chimpanzees, and certain types of jays and magpies. And apparently just that like one family of orcas. That one pod. Oh, my God. That was so sad. (laughs) Yeah. So, along with this mobbing behavior, or sorry, along with this apparently mourning, but also, like, learning about the predator's behavior, um, the murder of crows, once they've figured out what predator it is that has killed their their missing community member, they'll mob that predator. Like, that individual predator, or just, like, any type of that predator? No, that individual predator. And I have witnessed this firsthand. Okay. Um, Like, six or seven years ago, I was staying at my aunt's house with my mom and my brother, and I just stepped out the door to do something like bring in the trash cans or something, Um, and I'd been hearing a lot of cawing, and Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going on, so I stepped outside the door, 
And right in front of my face, maybe 10 feet away, was a red-tailed hawk on the lawn. It had a dead crow, Mm -hmm. um, and it was being mobbed by all the other crows in the area. And it lifted off literally right in front of me and took off without the dead crow. Because the other crows were like, fuck off! I mean, kind of late at that point. Just let him become the circle of life. Right. But now, every time any of that community member sees that freaking red-tailed hawk or any other red-tailed hawk, they'll know that's a predator. Watch out for it. Start mobbing it immediately to drive it away from the community. That's just harsh, man. I think it's pretty smart. He was just trying to get some food. They have one shot. They can find food elsewhere. Go attack, like, field mice who aren't going to mob you. Nope. Mm-mm. They wanted a bigger meal. No, he wasted his one shot. It was not okay. <laughs> so scientists um, who noticed this phenomenon wanted to research what was going on um, and find out like what the details about the behavior were. So they researched the mobbing behavior and discovered that the crows will mob the thing that they think killed their comrade. They'll recognize and mob that person or that thing, that predator, again, any time that they see them in the future. So they, um, they tested this by having volunteers carry what would appear to the crows to be a dead crow mm-hmm. while also playing um, the sound of a crow distress signal from that area mm-hmm. um, so that the crows would associate them with the death of this other crow. So they got people mm-hmm. to voluntarily become victims yes. of, a crow, of a murder of crows. Yes. Who would do that? Did they and, pay people? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't read their IRB approval. <laughs> but so for up to six weeks afterwards, participants in this study were being recognized by crows just going about their daily life and being like mobbed and What an scolded. idiot. Why did they choose this? <laughs> um, so the scientists also conducted similar tests with other birds, particularly the rock pigeon. They wanted to see is this unique to, to crows. And they observed that when, when a rock pigeon was shown, um, like a dead pigeon, even when it was literally like put right in front of their face, they would barely even notice it. Um, so that that created a pretty, pretty clear, different reaction in right. pigeons versus crows. And interestingly, I think the crows were also shown a dead pigeon, and they didn't care about it at all. <laughs> So another cool thing that um, scientists discovered about crows is that they can exercise impulse control. So crows were given the option of a, um, a low-value treat, so like a, um, like a cracker, mm-hmm. right? Something that like, they would eat, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then they were also shown a really high-value treat, but they had to wait the high value treat Mm -hmm. so they were given the cracker right so they would have the cracker right and then they'd be shown the high value treat and they would have to wait to get the high value treat and then they could trade the high the low value treat for the high value treat Mm -hmm. and so um where they could eat the low value treat first they ate the low value treat they did not get the new treat well that's rude they had to trade it was only a trade and the results showed that crows and ravens we're happy to wait around for an improved snack option. So um, so a bird with a piece of bread was content to sit quietly if it knew that it would get like some fried pork fat eventually in a trade-off. Um, but if that same bird's second choice was another piece of bread, they'd just eat it right away. They'd be like, oh, I don't need that. I'm just going to eat this one that's already in my mouth. Right. That's, there's no point in waiting. Right. So they were able to like weigh the value of, of that circumstance and make a choice. I feel like it's interesting, but unlike with some of these other creatures mm-hmm. where I feel like we're not doing enough research, mm-hmm. like, what, what is, what, why? Like, They're so how is this, fun! But how is this helping us? But they're like, so cool. Also, I think it's helping us prepare for the eventual emergence of crows and corvids as a dominant species on Earth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So according to the International Union... For conservation of nature, most crows were not in, are not endangered. However, there's one crow, the Flores crow, that is listed as endangered because it has a very small population that's on the decline as deforestation threatens its home, which is in the Indonesian islands of Flores and Rinca. 
Um, they think that the population is down to around 600 to 1,700 mature individuals. And the Hawaiian crow, which we were talking about earlier, the other crow species that uses tools, they're extinct in the wild and exist only in captivity now. So American crows will stand on an anthill and let the ants climb on them. Then they'll rub the ants into their feathers. Gross. Yeah. But it works for them because they ward off parasites by doing that. I guess. They'll also, as a side effect, be able to get drunk off of the formic acid that's released from the ants' bodies. Ew. I know. What a gross way to... Like, can you imagine if, like, having a drink involved smearing some other species on your body? I pass. mean, I hard pass. Don't even want to do it no. regularly. No. So another neat thing about crows is that they have fifteen to thirty-three categories of recorded vocalizations, and or I'm sorry, that's ravens. Ravens have fifteen to thirty-three categories of recorded vocalizations, and crows have regional dialects. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So ornithologist John M. Marsluff and author Tony Angel Angel must be angel noted in their 2005 book in the company of crows and ravens that um the calls that ravens use vary regionally like human dialects that can vary from valley to valley and if a crow changes its social group if it joins a new social group they will learn how to fit in by talking like that new group so they'll copy the um the dominant flock members the sounds of the dominant flock members and learn how to speak that language because otherwise they wouldn't be able to understand you. Right. And then you would just be an outcast and you'd be sad. Right, exactly. And they don't want to be sad. Some crows will use cars like oversized kitchen appliances. So they've learned how to take walnuts, which is one of their favorite treats. Right. Over to a road intersection. Okay. And they'll they'll put the, the walnuts down onto the pavement. And then they'll wait for a passing vehicle to smash the walnut open. And then they'll wait for the light to change and swoop down and eat the, the walnut. Because Fair. they've been able to learn how the pattern of lights indicates which cars are coming from when. Because, as I said, they're brilliant. They're so smart. They're amazing. Crows. They're the best. Well, that's all the information that I have. I have nothing to... I literally have nothing to... I've never seen a crow or a raven. Like, I... Yes, you have. There's I mean, crows everywhere. Like, in... Pa- not in this area. Not very much. You were just talking about how you didn't have many friends. Uh, yeah, but, like, they're here. Where? They exist. They're all around. Well, I've never seen one. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. We should go take a crow sighting trip. Maybe I probably have seen some crows. I don't know. I just can't think of, like, I can't conjure Mm -hmm. a memory in my head where I was seeing crows. So I just feel like if I have seen them, it didn't stick with me. Yeah, because they were just, like, the random birds that were there around you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my family members listen to this. They're probably just going to say, you're an idiot. There (laughs) were crows everywhere. And I'm going to be like, well, I have no memory of them. So... Maybe they're like the silence to me. I see them, and then I immediately forget that I saw them. This does contribute to my theory <laughs> that crows are preparing or evolving to become a dominant member. Of or they have been all along, and they're just now introducing their memories to some people. Oh, shit. They're like, yes, you can only study the really quirky, fun things about us, but you can't study the rest. Here, ooh, get distracted by this pretty thing. Look, we use tools. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I just like, I, I've i got nothing. No personal stories because I can't remember ever seeing one. <laughs> so, yeah, crows. Indeed. They like shiny things. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love a good shiny thing, though? Do you love a good shiny thing? Ruru. Do you need a, a, a diamond collar? Yeah. <laughs> he said, no, do that. Don't, don't, don't tickle my ear, Mommy. Yeah, it Mom. tickles. Don't Mom, do no. that. no. Eh, he doesn't care for shiny things. Mostly because he can't tell the difference. We love our dogs, but they will never measure up to the intelligence of most of the critters we will address on this show. Especially not crows. Nope. And especially not Rue. <laughs> 
I feel like Rue would be actually pretty at risk like, versus a crow. I think Rue is more like a rock pigeon. <laughs> I mean, he's it's true, though. Stick on some pigeon wings. That's Rue right there. Um, so before we wrap up really quick, I did propose an idea to our Facebook fans and supporters earlier this week in which we got so much love on our reptile show vlogs. And of course, anytime we decide to go to another reptile show when we have time, we will always vlog them because they're so fun to make. And I think you guys like seeing all the different critters. Um, But we would love to do a video, a series of short videos um, as like critter features Mm -hmm. for each of our own members of the family. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of, you know, they're not informational on all critters of this because that's what the full podcast episodes are but we're talking like you know three to five minute videos that are just hi meet this critter Mm -hmm. um in our particular family and then once we finish those if you guys are enjoying them maybe we branch out to our friends and and extended family members as well and feature some of those guys yeah um so far self-proclaimed superman erica sorry it will always be that long of a title (laughs) um said absolutely yes s p f Self-proclaimed superfan. SPSF? SPF, <laughs> SPSF's Erica. I think we'll just say self-proclaimed superfan. Okay. <laughs> otherwise, Fair. you're going to start I saying SPF, SFP, SSP, just like that. Yes. Um, said yes, for sure. She'd love to see those. So if nothing else, I'm going to make them for her. Yeah, that <laughs> seems absolutely fair to me. Hi, baby. Get off the table. You're a dog. He just oh wanted God. to come over to his Cassie. Whatever. Um, so keep an eye out for those. We probably will release one of those a week in opposition to the podcast episode mm-hmm. so that you guys are getting content. Um, yeah. Pretty regularly. Also, since it is October and we're gearing up towards Halloween, send us your email um, or DM us or email us or comment on our Facebook um, and let us know if you would like us to send you a Halloween postcard. Exactly. Um, I posted that on our Facebook as well today. So last year we did a Halloween photo shoot with the animals that were in our house at the time, which of course were our dogs, our cats, our foster kitten, and Basil. Um, and this year we will be repeating it with as many critters as we possibly can. Yeah, we're just um, going to start stealing random critters from people, <laughs> picking them up off the outside. We'll I would go like find to, that snail I'd like to clarify that we don't do uh, group shots for all of them. We might, do, <laughs> we might do a dog group shot, but that's about it. Because otherwise, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Um But we're going to try, what we do is set up a little set with a little Halloween background and all the props we've been collecting from the Target dollar spot for the past year because I have a bunch left over from stuff. Um, And we just make lots of different adorable photos with all of our critters. And when you send us your info, if you would like a digital copy or we can mail you a physical copy if you would like it, but you will have to send us your address. So, you know, that's just something you have to get over. Or your P.O. box or, you know, we could send it to your work address if you prefer. If you want us to show up your work at your work with some <laughs> critters and be like, hi! Yeah. And hand Would deliver. you like to hold We're a We're trying snake? to save postage, so we'll just hand deliver them. <laughs> Here's uh, a postcard and also a snake. Enjoy! Um, you'll, you can give us a give us specifics of, you know, if you have one of our critters specifically that you'd like to see on your postcard or postcards, depending on what you'd like. Um, and and if not, we'll just surprise you with yeah. which one ever one we think is our favorite. Whoa. And, you know, we are going to have uh, our Patreon is still in the works. It's just taking us a little bit more time to set that up. Um, probably going to set up a PayPal account, too. So if you guys would like to make a small donation to making those postcards, that would be really appreciated. Dollar store props and, and dollar spot Props, which are actually most often three to five dollars, thanks Target. Yeah, um, do add up. (laughs) They do, as do printing costs for these postcards. And of course, we're not going to. This isn't merchandise quite yet. We're not ready at that point to start full on selling merchandise. Although our Um, t-shirts were 
quite a hit. They at the were quite a hit so. indeed. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to be charging for them. So if you can't afford a small donation, we're still happy That's to send fine. you a postcard. We love you, especially the listening. digital versions. You guys, like, of you course. could download those off our Facebook page anyway. So no, if you only want us, <laughs> if you want us to send you a nice, high quality one, yeah. <laughs> then send us, you know, DM us, private message us, email us, and we'll get you the the nice, higher quality instead yeah. of just downloading it off Facebook. And then you can frame it and put it on your desk at work. Mm-hmm. And whenever your boss stops by and says, um, why do you have a picture of three dogs in bat wings? You can say, oh yeah, those are my friends. <laughs> exactly. It'll be so, so cute. Um, so that's it for this week for episode 14 of CritterCast. It's a wrap on episode 14. And look forward to a month full, basically three additional episodes. Yeah. I think. I haven't looked at the calendar. I think it should be a full three more episodes. I think so. Let's see. One, two. Yeah. The, the last um, the last episode will go out a few days before Halloween. Oh, um, And so then spooky. Halloween is a Wednesday, so that's probably also a good day to release one of our Meet the Critters animals. And, of Ooh. course, we will choose a black cat for that day. One of them. Yes. We have too many to choose from in this Whoever decides to. But we'll choose one. Behave. <laughs> Cooperate that, <laughs> that day. particular day. I know. I haven't decided what order. I was going to go in age order or the order that I, we've had those pets. But then it would be really mammal heavy at the beginning and really reptile heavy yeah. at the end. So I think we'll mix them in yeah. and just see um who feels like being famous. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so look forward to another three episodes featuring Halloween creatures. Um, and if you have if you have a burning desire to hear more about a specific spooky creature for mm-hmm. this month, let us know. And if you have a burning desire to find out about a non-spooky creature, let us know. Just be prepared. It will be after Halloween because we will be dedicating this month oh, yeah. to Halloween creatures. I'm sorry, but this month is... It is for it's creature Halloween. Cast. We should it just redo cast. all of our logos in orange and black for the month. Can we? We go full creature cast. Okay, let's do it. Hashtag huh? Halloween creature cast. So go check out our website and see the Halloween <laughs> I mean, I don't know that that's going to be a doable thing for us. Challenge accepted. in a dream, that's what we do. But our regular website address is crittercastpodcast.com. We will not be changing no. to creature we can't creature cast podcast.com <laughs> um our instagram all, all our handles will stay the same we may just do a fun color you know like an overlay yeah. like they do in disneyland yeah. <laughs> just like overnight right. shoom halloween Look, everywhere halloween. um <laughs> our instagram as usual is at CritterCast podcast you can find us on facebook at regular CritterCast. you can find us on twitter at cast critter you can email us at CritterCastPodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our website once again crittercastpodcast.com yeah um all of our fun stuff don't be shy speak your mind folks and we will see you next week see you later alligator after a while crocodile